Okay, I'm going to invite the kiddos up for just a moment. And we have a, just a quick little kids moment before we send you off to Children's Church. So come on up. I know I saw several of you come in this morning, so don't be shy. Come on up. Here you come. Good to see you all this morning. Did any of you guys go to the parade yesterday? Yeah? You went to a parade in Huron? That's awesome. Did you guys get some candy? You were in the parade? Oh, that was pretty fun. What? That's pretty cool. Awesome. Come on up. Hi, guys. Okay, so was any, raise your hand if you were here last week. Were you here last week? Do you remember what Steve talked to you all about last week? Do you remember what he had you do? What did he have you do? Yeah, you got it. You said, so Steve had you line up from shortest to tallest, right? And then he also had you line up from uh, oldest to youngest, right? And then he had you line up from if you were good or bad. Do you remember that? And then, uh, do you remember what he said? He said that God loves all of you, no matter how old you are, no matter how tall you are, no matter if you think you're good or bad. God loves every single one of us. Well, this week, we are continuing with that story. And this time, we have a story about an older brother. How many of you are the older brother or sister? Raise your hand if you're the older brother or the oldest brother or sister. Some of you. We've got quite a bit of, of young ones in here. Yeah. So sometimes, if you're the older brother or sister, do you ever get just a little annoyed with the younger ones? Yes, just a little bit. That's okay. That does happen sometimes, right? But all of us, whether we're older or younger, there's all times where we get a little annoyed with somebody, right? There's all times where somebody's bothering us or bugging us, and we have options, right? We have options how we respond. We have options to get mad, right? We have options to get sad. We have options uh, to be patient, and we have uh, options to help that person out when they're struggling, right? We have all sorts of options. And today we are talking about a story where there is a man who has a younger brother. And he's gotten a little bit annoyed. And he has some options. And so uh, our reminder today, as you go up to Children's Church, is to remember that God loves all of us, like we, we talked about last week. And that means God loves us, and that God loves that person that we're feeling a little annoyed by too, right? And we have options to choose how we want to respond, if we want to show God's love towards that person or not. Okay, so I'm going to send you off to Children's Church. Uh, if you haven't checked in already, parents, I ask you to go out with them and get them checked in. You guys can go. Your leaders are in the back. And reminder to go upstairs and pick them up when they're done at the end of church today. All right, are you going to go out to Children's Church? There you go. All right. Okay. So whenever we do the children's lesson, I always feel like I give away my sermon. It's like, what's the point? Why are we even here this morning, right? Okay. Well, uh, once again, welcome to Fusion. We are in week two of a three-week series called Prodigal. 
Now, prodigal is one of those um, almost like uh, slang words that we've started to use in our uh, community and in our language. Uh, And it's one of these words that I think we end up getting a little bit wrong. Uh, Many know the phrase, the prodigal son, right? And people like to use that to mean the one who was lost or the one who messed up or the one who is coming back after being away. And while some of those elements uh, can definitely be a part of the meaning of prodigal, the word prodigal actually means to be lavish, to be abundant or extravagant. It means uh, almost an extreme level or a reckless level of lavishness and abundance and extravagance. And and like I said uh, earlier, most people have heard the word prodigal. Because uh, there is a story in the Bible that's called the prodigal son. Uh, And it's a story that Jesus tells to a group of people who have gathered around Jesus. And Jesus tells them these three sets of stories. And first he tells them about a shepherd who has a lost sheep. And if you remember, we talked about that earlier this summer in our Little Things series. And then he tells them uh, about a woman who lost a coin which we also talked about in that series. And then he ends up with this parable uh, in which we are spending a few weeks on together this morning. And this is in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. It's going to be on the screens, and I invite you to follow along uh, in your Bibles or on your phones as you like. But Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11, this is the story that Jesus tells. And it says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. That's kind of a big, bold statement, right? But his father agrees to divide the wealth between his sons. And then a few days later, the younger brother is like, all right, see you, sayonara. And he packs all his belongings and he moves to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. And about the time his money ran out, his bad luck continued, and there was a great famine that swept over the land, and he began to starve. And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Now this young man became so hungry that even the pods, even the gross, nasty sludge he was feeding the pigs looked good to him because no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, well, at home, even the hired servants, they have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. Here's what I'll do. I'll go home to my father and I'll say this. I'll say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Let's not even go there. But please take me on as a hired servant. And so that's what he did. He returned home to his father. And he's walking along the road home. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He took off sprinting. And he embraced him, and he kissed him. And his son said to him, 
He said, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father says to his servants, nonsense, quick, bring the finest robe into the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine who was dead has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. Meanwhile, the older brother is out working in the fields. And when he returned home, he heard the music and the dancing in the house, and he asked one of his servants what was going on. And they said, your brother is back, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we are celebrating for, because of his safe return. Now the older brother was angry, and he wouldn't go in. And so his father came out, and he begged him. But he replied, all of these years I've slaved for you, and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even a young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering all your money on prostitutes, you celebrate with him by killing a fattened calf. And his father says, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything that I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. This is the story that Jesus tells the crowd around him. Now, I have a question for you all this morning. This is uh, maybe a rhetorical question, but which son is the prodigal? It feels like the younger son, right? He does fit the description. But nowhere in Jesus' story does Jesus say, the younger son is the prodigal. Not once. In fact, the term prodigal isn't used by Jesus at all. That title is something uh, that is given to this passage much later and, and when it's put into the, the Bible that we know today and when it's translated all together and all of that good stuff. But this title is the thing we know about the story, right? This is the thing we think about and we know and we hear the references to. And often when we read this story, we think it's about the younger son, which it is. It's a story of someone who has taken off and lived restless, recklessly. It's a story of someone who has made mistakes. It's a story of broken relationships. And it's a story of being welcomed back into the fold. It's a story of forgiveness even when it feels undeserved. It's a story that we need to know that no matter how much shame we feel when we've had younger brother moments, we are never too far to come back to Jesus and he will welcome you in. But the title deceives us a little bit. It deceives us into thinking that this story is about one person. But it's not just a story about the younger brother. There are uh, two other characters in this story on top of the younger brother. Uh, and there's plenty of things for us to learn from, from them. And one of those people is the older brother. 
Now, how many of you, raise of hands, just like I had the kids do, how many of you are the oldest sibling in the family? Wow, not as many as I thought. All right, we got a bunch of younger siblings here. I am the oldest in my family, and it just so happened that last week, as, as Steve, who was the youngest in his family, got to preach on the younger brother, I am the oldest in my family of two, and today it's my turn to unpack the older brother's perspective in the story of Luke. And as the oldest sibling, I already find myself leaning into the older brother's narrative. And maybe you as older siblings are too, because I want to stand up here and I want to jokingly but also kind of seriously say, man, younger siblings get away with everything. Can I get an amen? They get the more lax rules. They get punished less. They have less responsibility. And we older siblings, we pave the way for our younger siblings, right? But there I am, already leaning in to the same story we see of the older brother. Because you see, the younger brother may seem like the prodigal son. But the older brother has some prodigalness in him too, just in a little bit of a different way. Because what, what the older son has in a lavish or extravagant or borderline reckless way is a sense of self-righteousness a sense of having done no wrong, a sense of having no grace for the ones who have, a kind of smugness, and a whole lot of bitterness. And whether you are an older sibling or not, we've all had moments where we have had an older brother mentality. And if you haven't, just think for a second here about how you feel when you drive by someone else who has gotten pulled over for speeding. Does anybody feel smug when you see that? When they fly by you and maybe a few moments later, you see them pulled over to the side of the road and you think, yeah, you had that coming for you, right? Please tell me it's not just me. Or maybe even the worst feeling when you know the guy in front of you is also speeding, but you're the one that gets pulled over. Maybe it's never happened to you. But we've all had moments where we thought we've had the moral high ground. We've all had moments where we felt like the world has been unfair. Now, as someone who has a high sense of responsibility, and as someone who hates getting in trouble, and who strives to do this, the right thing, I see myself as the older brother in this story. I see the person who puts their head down and does the work. The person that stays loyal when things get tough. The one who gets what needs to be done, done. And I feel like I can see where the older brother is coming from in this story. I can see the older brother's indignation, that feeling that I have done everything right, that I have done the hard work, that I have stayed, I have been loyal. And he left and he is getting celebrated. And nobody even came out to the field to get me. Right? Because it says that the older brother, he was working in the fields, and when he heard the music and the dancing, he had to ask a servant what was going on. Nobody even came to tell him. And I would be mad too. And so the older brother stood in a place of judgment, in a place that led to bitterness. And he let his strengths become his weaknesses. 
He let his responsibility and his right ways of living turn into self-righteousness. He let his mentality uh, turn into a scarcity mindset, an us-versus-them mindset, a he-got-more-I'm-getting-less mindset. And how often do we do that? How often do we find ourselves saying, oh, they deserve what they got? Or on the other side of it, they definitely don't deserve that good thing they're getting. He got more, I'm getting less, it's not fair. But as tough as it is to swallow, when it comes to God's grace, the kingdom of God doesn't always work like that. And that shouldn't be a tough, tough thing to swallow, right? It should be something that we're giving praise for. Because, see, Jesus was telling this story to a group of people gathered around, and it was likely some people who were considered outcasts and sinners. Jesus, Jesus had been spending a lot of time with those kinds of people. But Luke 15 also tells us uh, that the Pharisees had been around, and they had been grumbling about the people that Jesus was spending his time with and about what Jesus had been saying to them. And I think the thing that we forget is that the Pharisees, they're not inherently bad people, right? We use Pharisee to mean, oh, you are a bad person, right? Oh, you're being a Pharisee. Well, we've kind of typecast the Pharisees into thinking that they were evil. And now, don't get me wrong, they did some evil things. But they were, in fact, incredibly religious and devout people. They cared about worshiping God, and they cared about doing the right things. And they were mad at Jesus because they felt like Jesus wasn't being devout enough. Can you believe that, thinking that God literally himself wasn't being devout enough? And like the older brother in Jesus' story, the Pharisees had let their strengths become their weaknesses. They had made their care for God more about self-righteousness than about their love for God. And so Jesus uses this story to draw out some of the preconceived notions that the crowd had. The people in the crowd who had been the outcasts and sinners, they needed to hear the story of the younger brother. The story that you're never too far to come home. But the ones who were already religious, already following all the rules, they needed to hear this story too. They needed to hear the story of the older brother. The story that Jesus was trying to make a point was that both brothers were lost in different ways. And the reality is that while the older brother believed that he was doing everything right on the outside, on the inside, he was filled with judgment and bitterness and anger. And so while the younger brother was physically far from the father, I think the case can be made that the older brother's heart was equally far from the father. The other brother was going through all the right actions, but he let his self-righteousness and his bitterness seep in. He let how he thought the father should act affect his relationship with the father and affect his relationship with his younger brother too. He let his heart be far from the father's heart and his far heart was far from everybody else's heart too. The older brother thought his good deeds and his actions would be enough. 
But scripture tells us that there is nothing that we can do to earn God's love. And if we do enough good actions just for the sake of being good, uh, we will find ourselves trying to earn God's love and feelings of bitterness in our heart uh, towards those who don't, who we don't feel have earned God's love, God's love will seep in. And so just as we've all had moments like the younger brother, where we've been far from God, we've also all had moments where we've been tempted to react and respond like the older brother and like the Pharisees. We've all been tempted to believe that we're better than those around us. We've been tempted to have our hearts far from God. And you know what's interesting? The father goes to both of the sons and invites them in. The father runs to the younger son and brings him into the party. And then the father goes out to the older son who is standing outside the party and begs for him to come in. And when the older son airs his grievances to the father and says, all of these years I've followed the rules, all of these years I've done everything that you've you've asked for me, and you've never even given me a small party, a little goat. The father replies, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything that I have is yours. The father says, you've had me the whole time. It's not that one brother gets preferential treatment. It's that the father's heart is not far from either person. And both brothers have to learn the lesson that there is nothing that we can do to earn the father's love. The younger brother wants to become a servant and earn his way back, and that's what he thinks will get his father's love. And the older brother, he wants to be perfect to earn his dad's attention. But God loves the sons because they are his children. And the message is the same for us, that God loves us regardless of any of the ways that we try to seek his love. And God wants our hearts to be close to his hearts. And that means not judging one another or competing with one another or loving one another. Uh, and, and, and we need to be loving one another. We need to be caring for one another because that is truly where God's heart is. And so, as we've already talked about this morning, we're at the end of homecoming week at Dakota Wesleyan. And at first, when I started writing this sermon, I thought, oh man, this is kind of a heavy sermon for homecoming week. Because this is a week of excitement and games and energy. And here I am talking about bitterness and resentment. But I actually think that this series is fitting for homecoming season. Because homecoming is a week where people have come home, right? They have come to a place that they call home. And the story of the two brothers is an invitation to come home. It is an invitation that no matter how far off you feel you've strayed, there is an invitation to bring yourself and to bring your hearts close to the Father's heart. This story that Jesus tells, it ends on a cliffhanger. The story wraps up with the father saying to the older brother, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. 
he was lost, but now he is found. And that's the very last line. If it was a movie scene, it would fade to black, and there would be no credit scenes with the where they are now flash forwards. We're left with this mic drop from the father, and we don't know what happens after that. What's the resolution? Does the older brother follow his dad back into the party? Or does he continue to hold a grudge and stand on the outside? We don't know. And I think that Jesus ends this story this way on purpose. There's an invitation to his listeners, to the Pharisees that he's talking to, and to us today. We see an example of one son moving towards the father. Not perfectly, maybe not even repentantly, but still moving towards the father. And then we see this other son, who has seemed to distance himself from the father. And we hear the father's heart saying, come, bring your heart close to my heart. And we don't know how the older brother is going to respond. But we get to the chance to decide how this story ends for us. Whether you're finding yourself in the shoes of the younger brother or the older brother, you are welcomed home. You are welcomed in and you are invited to the party. So are you coming in? Will you accept the invitation to be a part of God's family no matter what side you fall on? Will you accept the invitation to bring our hearts closer to the Father's heart? The invitation to celebrate all who are coming to Jesus, even if we want to hold the moral high ground and even if we feel the temptation to hold a grudge. The older brother had a choice, and so do we. Will you pray with me this morning? Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you have a heart that is generous, that you have a heart that is so bent toward us, that cares for us whether we see ourselves in the shoes of the younger brother as far off from you, of making mistakes and lavish living, of feeling like we need to come home, but we don't know how. And you have a heart toward us who feel like the older brother, who feel like we have been trying and trying and trying, and it just never seems like enough. But God, you are the God who is enough. And so God, today, wherever our hearts are, help us to accept the invitation to come to you. Help us accept the invitation to embrace your love. And help us to accept the invitation to come into the party and to rejoice and be glad that we are your children. And so God, today, wherever our hearts are, May they come to you. And may we know that you are filled with love toward us. And we have the call to have that attitude towards one another. And so God, help us to embrace that. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.